The following episode of The Book Guys is rated explicit for content and may contain lots and lots of violence. The Book Guys Show is brought to you by hollowbooks.com, where they create custom-made hollow books so you can hide just about anything. Choose a book, they do the rest. And in Canada, where I, th- I thought Brexit was a McDonald's sandwich, my name is Paul the Book Guy, sometimes known Paul as... Paul the Book Guy! And joined, guys, it's been a while. It has been a while since we've seen our good friend. Professor Alan. Yeah. How you doing, Professor? Man, that, now I feel bad when you say that. It's been a while, man. I haven't we been missed here you, man. for a while. And you know, glad to be here, as always. You're the comic book guy. Well, not the guy from, you know, from The Simpsons, but you, you are our resident Thanks. comic book guy. So we've had a lack of comic content for many weeks now. <laughs> I can bring a little bit tonight. Good stuff. Good stuff. And joining our panel as our guest today is the one and only Simon Alexander Collier, all the way uh, from Tokyo. I believe you're in Tokyo right now. Are you not, Simon? That's right. Hello from Japan. Well, good. Oh, I've got to give you an in the morning. In the morning. Good morning to uh, Simon in Tokyo. How are you, sir? Good. Good. Just woke up on Saturday morning. Yeah. So it's great. We we got him. We got him just as he woke up, folks. We're gonna we're gonna get some nitty gritty out of him. Uh, Simon, we usually start the show by just asking everyone what they're. What's on your? What's on your Kindle? Your nightstand? What's on your? What's on your iPad? Your Android? What are you reading? What are you reading, Professor? What are you reading? What's on your Kindle or nightstand? Well, I have got a old fashioned, big old fat fantasy novel Ooh. 600 pages fantasy nice 600 pages okay what are we listening or we or you're reading this is the dragon token by melanie ron from the early 90s this is the second book in her second trilogy but you can easily think of it as the fifth book in the sixth book series and that's how the numbers work out you got some uh, good solid fantasy warfare it's sort of the general template of Game and Game of Thrones, but not nearly as bloody or creepy. There's a big desert, so there's a little bit of Dune maybe thrown in. Uh, fun, fun read. Nice, nice. I, I've been uh, hardcover or physical book-wise. I've been re- going through Milligan the Samurai Rebels, of course, and I can't wait to get to, through that and get to Milligan and the Reluctant Shogun. Uh, I got to say... Uh, if your options are Kindle or physical, go physical. These are beautiful books, and we will we'll talk to Simon about them, of course, in a bit. But uh, they are just—they're well drawn, you know, covers and just nice looking paperbacks. Uh, Simon, what are you reading other than your own work as you edit it? Well, I just finished last night the uh, the Philip K. Dick novel, The Man in the High Castle. Nice. Um, oh, a classic! A classic. 
Yeah, yes. yeah, not a new one, but uh, and I, you know, I, I've heard about the TV show that I think was last year that got good reviews. So I thought I'd read the book, but partly with the aim, you know, I can do that annoying thing of you know the book's better than the, the TV series and uh, <laughs> upset people. But but and I, actually, I thought it was the opposite. I mean, or at least uh, the book I thought was a bit disappointing. Really, it's a good idea, but not maybe not carried out so well. So, but I, maybe the TV series is better. I, I'm going to watch it anyway. I okay, give it a shot, and I, I'd say maybe the TV series is—I'd uh, say they're on par. So, the, the only, I think the well, it's, only, a good, it's an interesting idea for a story, but I, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I think the only time I've actually said you know the TV series is uh, I'm enjoying it so much that I'm not—I'm going to stop reading the books. As I put down the second George R. R. Martin book, and I said, you know what, I'm just going to watch the TV series. Right. Uh, just because I wanted to go in. I mean, they've done such a great job in 2016 of keeping that show, uh, keeping the spoilers out of the hands of the press and the internet. I mean, uh, you know, you got a new Doctor Who comes out, you know, it's it's in the press seven seven months before the show airs, whereas Game of Thrones, there are week after week where people just sit there and go, holy crap. Fantastic. So let, let's talk to our guest, Simon Alexander Collier. Can I just call you Simon? That's a lot of names. A lot yes, of names, please. Simon. So tell us a bit about uh, about why, why are you in Tokyo? You're 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 a British person. Why are you in Tokyo? How'd you get there? And and why are you writing these fantastic books about Milligan? Well, I was a British diplomat, and so I was at the British Embassy in Tokyo, uh, which is what uh, brought me out here. Uh, and I and I did a very dangerous thing, which was I came to Japan single, and uh, <laughs> so I'm now married to a Japanese lady, uh, and that's uh, kept me in the country. So I, I left the British uh, diplomatic service, and uh, and now I just live and work here uh, with no no particular plans to to leave. So so uh, tell us a bit about Milligan and the Samurai Rebels. I got to say, about halfway through it, and and just as the cover. You know what they say? Don't read a book by its cover. Bullcrap. Always judge a book by its cover because, in general, ninety-five percent of the time, that's what's in the book. So I took a look at the cover, just the graphics alone. I see this guy Milligan, and it looks like he's up to shenanigans. And sure enough, not too long into the book, he's climbing out the window. There's there's a young lady's father chasing him, and he gets into even more trouble as the novel progresses. Uh, tell us a bit about the story of Milligan and how that came about. Well, yeah, so it's set in uh, 19th century Japan when Japan is uh, kind of in a state of civil war. And um, so the, mother, the main character, Milligan, is a, is a young British diplomat, just arrived. Um, and uh, he has a weakness for women and drink, which, uh, you know, lead him uh, astray on more than one occasion. <laughs> Absolutely. So Absolutely. in other words, he's a British man. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you know when when Canadian Americans or or, or British type folk uh, end up in foreign lands, they're always causing trouble. They're always up to no good, whether they know it or not. So, yeah. so Milligan. Yeah, uh, so, how, how did you come up with the the idea to to do as as a historical novel? Because that, that's well, what I, wonderful. One of the aspects yeah. of the book that I appreciate, and I love stories like this that keep me entertained, and at the same time, sideload historical knowledge into my head without me knowing it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't cheat on the history. I, you know, I, I research it properly, and I and I don't change any of the real history. I I just fit the story into the gaps. You know, there's always gaps in the historical record. Uh, but uh, I mean, really, I just thought it's just such a fascinating time. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's it's 
it's very violent. It's uh, this is a country at war really with itself. Uh, it's a the Japanese are also uh, very very anti Westerner, very anti foreigner. Right. Um, and also even amongst the Westerners, there's a kind of uh, there's massive conflict with the British and French, and this is in the book. Uh, you know, kind of fighting each other and, and trying to gain advantage. So there, there's just so much conflict. It's it's an amazing time in history. And I don't think most Westerners know much about it, you know, which is understandable. But so basically the idea is to, to provide a kind of entertaining way that you could learn about this, this time in history, because most people don't want to pick up some big history book. But, but you know, this is a uh, an easier, more entertaining way to, to learn about that time. Uh, absolutely. So in, 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 in terms of writing... In terms of coming up with the with the idea, conceptualizing this, you started with the era first. Is that sort of what what drew you to it? And then let's tell some let's find a character and a story to put into that era. Well, uh, I was interested in that time in, in history. There's also there's a there's a a, a real memoir by a, a, a genuine British diplomat of the time. Uh, which is historically very interesting, but extre- you can imagine a, a, a Victorian British diplomat. It's very dry and dull as a book. You know, I wouldn't really recommend it uh, unless you're really into Japanese history. So I, I took the idea of a young British diplomat from, from that, although the style of the book is completely different. And in fact, the real guy is a character in my novel. I put him in as the kind of sensible <laughs> friend great. of Milligan. Now, now I've, I've always been... Bits from his memoir. Sorry. I was going to say, I've always been fascinated with Japanese culture because they just seem like such a prim and proper people when in public. But when they let their hair down, man, do they let their hair <laughs> down. You know, um, I, I'm a big fan of, of some Japanese uh, shows like uh, Gaki no Tsukai, and, and they do that New York New Year's Eve uh, Batsu game special every year. And I just find that some some of these Japanese game shows would would get the producers arrested if they were American you know, television shows. I mean, you, you can't, you can't, uh, you know, in the Canada, you can't strap someone to a rocket-powered massage chair, open up the wall and shoot them down a ski hill without their permission. You, I mean, the, the show would get sued out of existence, but this happens on a daily basis in Japan. Now, now, was there some culture shock when you arrived in Japan for your uh, diplomatic uh, tour? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is it is very different. I mean, it's, uh, but it's, as developed as the West, that's what's kind of interesting. Is a, you know, it's just as advanced a society, but it's it's different in in many ways, and and it has very strong social pressure on 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 the Japanese, not so much on on Westerns when they when they live here or when they visit. But so I think that's why you get that you know firing people down the you know ski slopes in in, uh, in chairs because it, it's almost like a release from the the, reg, the regular yes, life is very yes. uh, you know there's these expectations and pressures to behave yes. normally and sensibly and then they they need their release Absol- so, absolutely i mean i, mean, I think Jap- japanese is the uh, the only language i think that has a word for like dying from overwork that's right karoshi yeah karoshi wow yeah, yeah. unbelievable right. so so uh, yeah they do they work very very hard so, uh, um, Simon, you, you you mentioned the the tone of your novel being very different from this, you know, dry memoir uh, that's out there. But I mean, no offense, you worked in the diplomatic corps, and I I don't associate that as a very funny profession. No, well, so maybe how, I, was, uh, I was restraining myself. Maybe when I was at work, <laughs> this is lively. So, but how, how did you get the notion to to move into that humorous direction? 
Well, so the other the other book that influenced me is um, the, is the Flashman novels. I don't I don't know how well they're known in North America, but in the UK they're very famous, and they're um, they're humorous historical novels. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they start in the late '60s, and the guy wrote them for twenty, thirty years afterwards. And they take a, a very uh, outrageous character, and they put him in a whole series of uh, situations in kind of nineteenth-century British imperial history. Um, and they're they're very funny. I mean, I recommend them to your, to your readers. They're really well written and really well researched. And so the, the kind of almost the style I, I was inspired by that, and I tried to apply that style to Japanese history. Were there other inspirations uh, or or other uh, types of uh, novelists that just that that you are a a fan of, or may have inspired you in in one way or another? Well, it's, in a way, I, I'm. Also inspired by some of the other historical fiction, like the Sharp novels uh, or Hornblower, but in a way, in the sort of negative, because they have they have characters who are very heroic and very serious, and I like those kind of books. But when I read them, I always think, well, I wouldn't be like that, you know. I'd be the coward <laughs> running away, you know, right. I'd be, you know. I'd be the guy who's too hungover to get to the battle or whatever, you know. So I. There's always a part of me wants to, you know, doesn't quite identify with the hero. So I, I find that my books, it's for those of us who are, you know, who are not heroes <laughs> that can maybe identify with Milligan. So, so Milligan uh, continues on to a second book, I believe. It's right here in my hand, Milligan and the Reluctant Shogun. So I, I, I feel Milligan is safe in my first book before I finish it. I know that he's going to survive to... Shenanigan again. Maybe it's a we'll prequel. See. Maybe it's a prequel. <laughs> oh, it could be a prequel. Could happen. Maybe he died in the first one, and it's a prequel. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> no spoilers. Maybe no it's spoilers. Sherlock Holmes, and he dies regularly. You never know. Uh, I'm going to ask you: Are, are there are there plans for a uh, audiobook version of either of these uh, novels? Yeah. Well, actually, listening to your show has sort of given me the idea for that. I hadn't had the idea before, but uh, I don't know much about it. So I'm keen to learn, but. Uh, yeah, I, I just need a. You, you had a guest on recently who could do a good Scottish grandmother. I don't know if he can do a good, uh, you know, slightly drunken uh, British young diplomat. But uh, you know, if I can find a good voice actor, maybe he, he probably could do a, a great one. <laughs> so, so we were talking a little bit before the show, and you gave us a great idea, which is to do a whole hour on just how to get your audiobook published on. Uh, in various different ways, and you know, you can go from zero dollars or as close to zero as possible, like Seth Harwood did, which is to you know buy a good microphone and head into the basement and record it yourself, uh, all the way up to hiring Scott Brick for X amount of thousands of dollars. Uh, you know, and we're going to probably do that. It's a great idea, Simon. We're going to. Uh, I think that'd be very helpful to a lot of our independent authors. Yeah, well, I, I'd, I'd definitely be listening. Hey, Simon, you want to hang on? We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back, and uh, one of our other co-hosts is going to join us, Craig Damlow, who says he's drunk and in a bar, and he's wearing a taco hat. So this should be interesting. <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> we'll be right back. Hi, this is Colin Ferguson. I play Sheriff Jack Carter on Eureka, and you're listening to The Book Guys. I am Dalek Barrick from DoctorWhoSociety.com. You are listening to The Book Guys Show. Continue, or you will be exterminated! Book Guy 
I, I, I just love Simon's face when the Daleks started talking. He's like, what the hell's going on? Why have I signed up to be on this crap? Oh, you had sound problems. <laughs> that was Dalek Orc from DoctorWhoSociety.com. The gentleman was so nice. I think that was one of the comic conventions, uh, Professor. And I, I asked him. He was on taking a break. He was like having a beer, you know, and outside of the Dalek. I was like, can, can you do the Dalek voice and, and do a promo? He's like, oh, man. He's like... He didn't want to get back into the thing, and I can understand being claustrophobic myself. So he kind of like reached in, pulled the <laughs> microphone out, and did it right there. It was kind of cool. Look, uh, a, speaking of comic a, books. A sober Dalek <laughs> is scary enough, but a Dalek with a beer? That just sounds yeah. sounds very dangerous <laughs> on many levels. Hey, let's talk a bit about your comic book podcast. Comic books, comic books, comic books. Just loving what you're doing over on the Relatively Geeky Network, uh, Professor Allen. Just love it. I, I don't know what you're talking about half the time, but sometimes well, I do. Okay. Sometimes I do. Well, the, well, the, I, <laughs> I, I, I wanted to toss out just a resource to people who have my similar taste in comic books, which is you like cheap stuff. Oh. That is the main – my main premise on the Quarterbin podcast is my favorite kind of comic books, inexpensive ones. Yeah. And the best – the most inexpensive you can get is free. Absolutely. So I wanted to mention a legal place to get old, free digital comic books. Ooh, please. And that is the Digital Comic Museum at digitalcomicmuseum.com. And what they have done is scanned uh, public domain comic books from the 40s and 50s, comic books whose copyright or trademark has expired or for whatever reason uh, that book, that issue has fallen into the public domain. So it is legal and above board and available in, in many formats that you can put on your Kindle or Nook. So they're, they're like the, the LibriVox. The LibriVox for comics. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> public domain, scanned comic books. And I've r- recently found it uh, just a few months ago, and really taken advantage in some of those glorious 1950s sci-fi comic books have been a, a blast to read. Now that you you but, s- sort of mentioned piracy in, in your you know the way you said legal, I was getting around <laughs> that. You're getting to the. Other. I, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll give you a little anecdote here on how I use piracy in my daily life, and I try not to steal. You know, we're talking to authors every day. I'm not going to steal their books, but here, here's one thing I do. Uh, sometimes we get, you know, the promo copies, they're MP3 CDs from, uh, from the publishers. And I'm sitting there, Tolstoy's War and Peace, which is five discs. Now this is five discs. I got to put into my Mac one at a time. And you know, it's a legacy technology. It takes like a minute for the CD spin up. Then I got to copy it onto the Mac. Then I got to pull the CD out and do that five times. Then I got to connect my phone to the Mac and then I got to transfer like, you know, whatever, how many hundreds of gigabytes of stuff that is. So some, sometimes I'm, I'm admitting it. I sometimes I'm holding the thing in my hand. I own it. I have the right to listen to it. I just don't want to spend the 45 minutes going to take to put it on my phone. So I just load up pirate Bay on my phone and get it the exact same one with the exact same thing. And it's actually more convenient to pirate. It's scary. It really is. Professor Allen. And, and, and that's why we love good. Audible, because they're even more convenient than piracy. Yes, exactly. And the authors get paid, of course. And you can go to audibletrial.com slash book. I see how easy it is. You can get a free audiobook of your choice to keep 
just for signing up for a free trial. It's audibletrial.com slash bookguys. And you can keep, even if you just sign up, listen to that one audiobook and quit, your account will always be there with that one audiobook in it. It's yours to keep. I'm just saying, sometimes it's inconvenient to... It's more convenient to take things away for free, which is bad. And, of of course, if you'd been thinking about that, you know, 15 years ago, even 10 years ago, and said, well, I can download War and Peace off CDs for only, and it'll only take me 45 minutes. Yeah. And the best best part. uh, You know, a a decade or two ago. Yeah. The the best part about Audible for me, uh, Professor Allen, is that if you sign up as a member, you get that one credit a month. And they're pretty liberal with what you can get with that one credit. Like, War and Peace is one credit. And actually, I, I found a... Uh, I'm going to look it up right now. I'm going to try to play a little clip from it. Um, I'm, I was not looking forward to uh, the entire 61 hours. I've already read the book at one point in my life. I've probably forgotten half of it, and I'm pretty bad with names. I don't know... can't remember any of the character names at this point. But You, um, you, you just want a brief refresher course. Yeah, right. I don't want to go through 61 hours of audio. And then on audible.com, I searched and... I don't always resort to piracy, Professor. And sometimes I have, like I have right here in my hand, I have the audiobook on five MP3 CDs, and it's more convenient for me to just buy the freaking thing on Audible, even though it's been given to me for free by the publisher. I would rather spend the one credit or the 30 bucks to just get it downloaded to my phone. So I looked up War and Peace. This is what I was doing. I clicked on War and Peace on Audible, and I just happened to find, when you scroll down the list a bit, folks, you are going to find... War and Peace dramatized and it'll be listed as narrated by full cast. So what they've done is they've uh, distilled War and Peace down from 61 hour audiobook to nine hours and 12 minutes with a full cast. Because, I mean, when you uh, as soon as you go to audio drama, you can remove all the text like he said in a slur, you know, in a slurred voice. You can remove that. The guy will just say the line in the slurred voice. And, of course, right away, like half the text is gone from the book. Um, I'm, I'm sure this is more distilled and more abridged. Normally, I'm not into abridged uh, versions, but War and Peace. We're going to play a little clip from that, and uh, then we'll talk to Simon a bit more about Milligan. Because. The man is... Revolution and regicide, a grand fact, my dear Monsieur Pierre. Whatever next? I'm not speaking of regicide, I'm speaking of the idea. I am sure the Vicomte is fascinated by your thoughts, my dear. But why not come over here and have a word with my aunt? But I have nothing to say to your aunt, madame. Uh, Really, no. One would think this was the first Petersburg soirée you ever attended. Oh, but that's true. I've been abroad for so long that I've never had the chance to socialise with my countrymen. I realise you only invited me because I'm related to Prince Vasily. One does not say such things, Monsieur Pierre. Well, we'll keep the clip short, but as you can see, it you know they've got background music, there's sound effects, foley, and and the, the whole gambit there. Uh, nine hours, twelve minutes. You can get it for one credit. AudibleTrial.com/slash/bookguys. You get it for free. Why not? Why not? Simon, are you are you a uh, audio book listener at all? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, when you're commuting and things. Uh, I think it's great yeah. when, you're, when you're like watering the plants or doing the dishes or doing something really monotonous. You can get an extra book in a week. Yeah, yeah. yeah I like the idea of a full cast for my book. I don't know if I could ever quite have the budget <laughs> for that. <laughs> hey, you got... say, my, my impression is that uh, Tokyo Traffic 
is uh, legendary. Put it that way. Yeah, can although be, they have, can they be pretty train. tough. Yeah, they have a great train system though, so uh, you can get around. Go. Uh, there you go. Pretty go. crowded though, but it just it works well. Yeah, I, I got a quick tip for everyone at home. Um, I uh, again, War and Peace. So what I, what I did was uh, actually I ended up, uh, I did actually end up converting that one because I could not find the exact version that I wanted on Audible. So uh, I did end up converting the C, uh, the the MP3 CDs, and I put them on my phone, and I really started missing my Audible app because the Audible app has the where you can change the speed, and. To me, I sort of slowly ramp up as I'm listening to the audiobook. I, I put it at 1.0123 to the point where I usually end up at about 1.15 uh, speed. And, you know, on a 61-hour audiobook, that's you're saving six hours. And you can barely tell <laughs> that, that the that, guy... That you can know, make a difference. So, But the only problem was I had it on MP3, and the Audible app does not accept MP3s. And, of course, the standard stock Android player or the stock iOS uh, music player does not have speed controls. So I found Audipo, A-U-D-I-P-O. It's a free app on the Android store, and it will play a bunch of files in a folder or any any file you want, MP3 or otherwise. And you can set it all. You can tweak the, the speed settings all you want. You can go all the way up to, I think, uh, I think the max is out at two times speed, but it's got really good audio conversion. And, and even I, I listen usually at 1.05 or one, you know, one, yeah, 1.05 up to 1.1 speed, just enough to speed it up a bit. And it's called I can audio. Usually go, I, I can usually go a little bit faster than that. I usually go 1.5, but only if it's an American narrator. So here's the problem, Simon. Yeah. Is the that, British is... narrator, especially <laughs> with certain accents. I can only go one and a quarter, maybe not even that. Am I Between the only one? Because the speed I'm, of the talking and the accent. <laughs> maybe because I'm in Toronto and I grew up with such a multicultural. See, you've got a little more, a little more international flair. Yeah, I just think that we had so many cultures, and every time you met like one of your buddy from high school's moms, they always had a different accent, right? <laughs> so I think and, I really don't have that problem. I can listen to any. You could make up invent the Klingon. I would understand someone speaking English in Klingon accent, you know. We also have a I have a saying just here in in our house if we're going to watch something on BBC America or or a DVD of a British show we have to we have to hit the volume a little bit extra we call it we have to turn it up to British. Well, I, I find it interesting. <laughs> to make sometimes sure we can understand. Sometimes everything. I'm watching Netflix and 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 they have uh, subtitles. For a guy who's speaking ah, English with like a slight <laughs> Chinese accent. I'm like, really? Can people not understand him? Mm, I don't know. You Americans, you're weird. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> so, Simon, back to Milligan and the Samurai Rebels, my friend. So who, who did your cover design? I got to say, they're beautiful. We'll put a link in the show notes. Was yeah, it? so uh, so a friend of mine, a Dutch guy called Goose Floor. He, uh, he used to live in Japan. Now he lives in uh, Germany, but... Uh, yeah, he's an artist and designer that I, I met in Tokyo. And uh, you're always a bit nervous with a, when you ask a friend to do it in case, you know, it comes back and it's no good, you know, and right, what are you yeah. going to say? But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I was I was really pleased with it. I mean, I hope people do judge the book by its cover. Um, Absolutely. You know, and then uh, I, and the second one, I think, is even better, to be honest. The, the, I give him some ideas and he goes away and comes back with these amazing designs. Uh, i, I got to be honest. Like, he looks sly. 
in, in the second cover. But in the first one, he's got that like, holy shit, something's happening. I just love the look on Milligan's face. That, that, that sold yeah. it for me, you know? Yeah, well, that's kind of how it is for him, you know? <laughs> I mean, these covers look like uh, movie posters for great adventure romps Absolutely. from maybe the 70s. Absolutely. You know, fun, crazy, wild movies. And it, I, 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 as you said, I think it's fair to judge the book by that cover. <laughs> totally. I hope so. We, we, we were aiming for that feel because the, the mm-hmm. books are trying to be at least a fun, crazy romp. Yeah, I, I can almost hear the, the, shaft, accomplished. the shaft music in the background, you know. Who's the man <laughs> with the sword in his hand? Milligan! <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. So now you're in Tokyo. You have uh, uh, you are married. You're in Tokyo with yep. children. Yep. Have you gone back home to visit at all, or? Uh, I'm, I go back once a year. I'm going back next month. Uh, it's just got a lot cheaper after the news yesterday. The pound is down uh, massively. <laughs> the pound. Some is... of us at least benefit from that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Buy, buy pounds now. Hey, save yourself ten, yeah. twenty percent on your vacation. Fantastic. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> So, so how, how are the people in Tokyo taking this whole Brexit thing? Uh, I think they're surprised. I think everybody's shocked, really, at the news. Uh, you know, uh, but I'm sure, you know, the Japanese and the British will still get on fine. And uh, I'm sure the British will still get on with everyone fine. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, resiliency is certainly a... I, I think, I think the, the, the guys at the top of the EU are kind of upset because there's already rumor that more people want referendums this kind of the, the first domino uh, has fallen yeah maybe maybe but uh, you know Britain's been through a few things in history I'm sure we'll survive this <laughs> yeah well you know what I, I, like I said uh, I mean look they... if, 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 if you need us to come back <laughs> if, 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 if you're looking for more colonies uh, professor just, you know, there, there's worse things there's worse things for, for Europe to be doing than you know uh, arguing over, you know, unions. You know, you, usually they just start <laughs> chucking bombs at each other. So this is a more civil discourse anyways. You know, who's yeah, in, who's in. <laughs> do, right. do you listen to podcasts at all, Simon? To, to your podcast. Oh, thank you very much, sir. <laughs> do you listen to podcasts in general? Oh, in general? Uh, yes, yeah, I do. Yeah, I think they I mean, I, I tend to listen to them when I exercise. I think they're great for... Uh, when you're in the gym or you go for a run. I feel the time. Actually, Professor Allen, that's one of the things I listen to at like two times speed sometimes is podcasts. Right, Because, right. you know, I, I want to get a couple of them in in a couple hours, like you said, at the gym or when you're washing dishes. Um, we're going to do yeah, was... a, a quick... Do you have any picks, Professor? I, I'm going to hit the jingle anyway. Why not? Podcasts. I got one pick this week. Just because I was talking to a few people on Twitter about uh, one of the games I do play. I, I have quit all video games except Hearthstone. It's it, Hearthstone is like a card game. It's almost like Magic the Gathering. And you can play it on your Android tablet or your Apple phone or whatever. And it's for me, it's in the ideal game where you can turn it on, play the game for one minute and a half, and then it's done. You turn it off. It's not an all-consuming you know, like your PlayStations and Xboxes that just, you know, time vampires. Uh, and one of the uh, great podcasts or the best podcast, the only Hearthstone podcast I listen to is called The Angry Chicken. <laughs> and it's hosted by uh, Garrett 
uh, Garrett, Jocelyn, and Dills. And uh, Professor, you might think that uh, Tom Merritt is there. And it's not Tom Merritt. It, it, it's Garrett. Oh, okay. Garrett sounds just <laughs> like Tom Merritt. And I'm just going to play the... the uh, their theme song is great. I love good podcast theme songs. And their, their theme song is a riff on the actual Hearthstone music. And I'm just going to play a really quick little clip. podcast about Hearthstone, Heroes of Warcraft. This is the Angry Chicken. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Angry Chicken. I'm Garrett Weinzerl, sitting here with me. Well, not technically with me, but via the magic of Skype is Willie Dills Gregory, Jocelyn Moffat, and our special guest today, joining us for the very first time, Keaton Many of you probably know him as Chalky. Welcome. So I'm, I'm going to cut off right there, but he does sound like Tom Merritt, or, or am I going insane? <laughs> a little bit. A little <laughs> bit, yes. He does. And, and they have great guests on. They have, like, uh, developers from the game and, and whatnot. And, and they are part of the Frog Pants Network, Scott Johnson's uh, operation. So it's it's a pretty uh, long podcast. They usually go about an hour and a half. And it's, but it's really great to listen to while you're playing Hearthstone because <laughs> they're giving you tips on the game and whatnot while you're playing it. So that, that's my podcast pick for the week. Well, well, I have one for this week as well. Okay. It is uh, Deconstructing Comics. And the host, uh, Tim Young, is an American who's been living in Japan for about 25 years. So huh. listening to Simon's biography uh, r- reminded me of that. And uh, one of the things I like about this particular show is that because it is based out of Asia, it takes a much broader and more international view of comics and all its genres and forms. Obviously, a lot of manga and and anime talk as well as uh, traditional mainstream American comics and really everything in between. They uh, certainly are willing to focus on on independent and uh, international comics as well. So it's just a, a totally different viewpoint. Uh, I'm, going, I'm going to assume that, that Simon at some point has learned the language and he, he speaks Japanese. Yes. Yeah, not perfectly, but... Uh, well, yeah. Uh, yeah. Fantastic. Maybe we'll do a promo in Japanese after. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do, do you still keep in... Uh, I'm, I'm assuming you still uh, use the internets and you still have... Uh, keep uh, track on some of your favorite uh, English language television shows and whatnot and media? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, one of the things that changed is how much easier it is to live, you know, a long way from your home country uh, or even, you know, a foreign language country. I mean, you know, we can, I can watch the BBC, I read the British newspapers, you know, life is, uh, you know, it's a lot easier than it was 20 years ago. Yeah, much different than from the time uh, that your novels are set in where, People yeah. back, back home in Britain had no idea what the, the, I guess they called it the Orient back then, was all about. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I mean, it, take, it would take you three months to get a letter home. You know, I mean, right. it, uh, you were really isolated then. Mm-hmm. Well, Professor, I think uh, this has been a, a short episode, but I think we're going to wrap up soon. We're, uh, we're going to make sure that Simon Very good. lets everyone at home know where they can find him on the internets. 
Where can you find you? Simon? Okay. Are you on the Twitters or on the on the Goodreads? Yeah, or? well, I have a website, um, www.simonalexandercollier.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, SAC underscore author. Um, yeah, so, you know, uh, and uh, people can email me at simonalexandercollier at gmail.com. You're a brave man, uh, yeah. giving uh, giving out your email address on the internet. I'll do it as as well. Paul the book guy at gmail yeah, wow. com. I, I think I think we're safe because we use Gmail. We we don't see the six thousand spams. <laughs> <laughs> Gmail's pretty good at filtering out the you know the Viagra stuff. So uh, folks, it's available right now on Amazon. I believe the Kindle version is at a discounted price. If you go right now, uh, look up Milligan and the Samurai Rebels. And there's a second uh, book in the series as well, which is Milligan and the Reluctant Shogun. Go check them out. And there will be a third, hopefully. The the aim is to is for it to be a trilogy. Yeah, hopefully we'll get... Uh, oh, very good. Very good. Jeff Gurner to read the audiobook or something. We'll see. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Thank you so much, Simon, for the time. Appreciate it. And for getting Thank up, you. Thanks for having me. And for getting up so early in the morning in Tokyo. And Professor, nice to see you, my friend. Good to be back. It's been a while. And tell the folks where they can find all your geeky goodness. That is available through the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network in iTunes or relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com. And folks, you can join us at bookguys.ca. Right now, that redirects you to our new subreddit. Come and join. Come and join. It's new. It's brand spanking new. And we do have, I almost forgot before we uh, close out here, I've got to find the jingle and play it when I find it. Come on, Professor Allen, kill some time while I'm looking for the jingle. No pressure, Paul. No pressure. So we can't have a, a prize aganza without actually playing the prize aganza jingle. <laughs> but it seems to have gotten lost in the, in the works here. So you know what we're going to do? Prize aganza next week. <laughs> but we do have a, a prize aganza. Can I just search for it on my Mac? I don't know. Yeah, I can, apparently. All right, let's do that. No, it doesn't work. Whatever. Prize aganza. Uh, next week, we're going to be giving away a quite a few credits for a book on Audible from our good friend Scott McKenzie, who's going to join us. And we're, he's going to give away 10, 10 copies, 10 books we're giving away next week. Why not? And we're going to work on a show that's going to help authors make their books into audiobooks. I, l- I love that idea, Paul. Yeah, we'll have you and back on for profits, that. All the profits, 10% go to Simon. That's right. They go to Simon Collier. <laughs> Stay tuned, book readers and book listeners. Book Guide Show will return next week. Same book time, same book channel.